Welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Robotics. I'm your host, Nikki Rousseau, CEO and founder of Exaptic, a robotics company based in Melbourne. We specialize in personal assistive robots such as Temi the Telepresence robot and QT robot helping children with autism. I have the very capable, intelligent Scott Hansen with me today. Scott is a very experienced mechatronic engineer working in the manufacturing, waste, construction, aluminium and agricultural industries. Scott, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Nikki. So you're the co-founder and head of engineering at Cormatic Engineering. Tell us about your journey and why you co-founded Cormatic Engineering. Look, Nikki. Uh, myself and my business partner, Jonathan, started Cormatic uh, because we believed, we, we saw in the industry um, an opportunity and a desire uh, amongst all the industries, as you can see, we work across multiple sectors, um, a, a desire for accessible R&D. Um, so research and development typically has been been seen or be perceived as expensive and and low yield in terms of result. Uh, you might get a book, you might get a, a res, uh, you know, research paper, um, but you don't really get anything tangible for your business. Um, Jonathan and myself both believe that that's not the case, that's not true. Um, and we employ uh, the next generation of engineers, mechatronic engineers and, and uh, multi-skilled engineers that enable us to, to be able to deliver to our clients uh, complex or, or unique solutions um, in, in, in a sense R&D uh, at, at a cost effective and, and uh, attainable price. Yeah. So it's really about making R&D accessible to everybody. Okay, so th that's actually quite an important point because R&D, um, if companies are going into it, is very expensive. Typically, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but we believe we, we uh, sell ourselves as, as systems integrators. So yeah. we don't deliver to a client a product, but a solution. Okay. Uh, we use products that, that are, uh, are available to us. Yeah. Um, so it's not about creating a custom PCB and, and, a, and, a, and a very custom product that's, that's true R&D um, in the sense of the word. Uh, but it's about saying that there's plenty of product on the market. We have lots of OEM partners and lots of people that are, are enablers for us. Yeah. And we can, we can utilise our knowledge across the various sectors to pull together different pieces to build the puzzle. Okay. Uh, and we believe that's key in, in making it, it accessible and, and um, you know, cost effective. Okay, so if I, if I have a client coming to you with an idea, um, take me through the process of it. How, from an idea um, and say it, it becomes a minimal viable product, like do you partner with them? Like, like take us through a journey here. So we offer three um, key services. Our first stage is a consultancy service. So much like you described there, a client will come to us, they'll say, hey, um, Cormatic, we're interested in building this particular product, or we have a problem over here. We don't know how to solve it. We believe we can, but we're not quite sure. So we could be engaged in a feasibility or a pre-feasibility even study to be able to say, okay, client, this is what we would recommend. We believe it can be done. Um, here's your overall cost. So we can put together a complete business case for them, even right down to justifying ROIs, 
um, and optimizations within their business. Uh, from that, we can then move to our second uh, service offering, which is actually the engineering and design and development phase. So we'll bring, bring to life that MVP or complete product, if that's what the client's wanting. Um, we don't have to sit with an MVP. Uh, and then we can move that to our third phase, which is our, our commissioning and installation phase. So not only do our engineers work in the office, but they're all field capable. Um, so we can do the complete installation, be it hydraulics, electrical, mechanical, we can offer the, the one-stop shop as a solution. Um, and then for some select customers, we've also acted as their commercialization partner. Okay. So if the client says to us, look, I have an idea and we have had one particular client, so I've got an idea, I have a client myself that's interested, but I'd like to be able to access the wider, wider sector. Mm -hmm. um, we as Cormatic can assist in that. So we can provide the connections, we can provide the staff to help support it technically, you know, physically, um, the whole turnkey package. Yeah. So we like to think that we can offer across the full spectrum. Okay, and you specialising just in Australia or internationally as well? We've serviced previously uh, New Zealand and we have aspirations to move further afield, uh, but predominantly our projects have been based within Australia. Um, and we're currently seeking opportunities in Europe uh, and the US as well. Okay, and how big is the team? Our team currently is 14 staff members. Well uh, and that, that range is, yeah, very exciting. We've had a large yeah. growth period in the last six months um, where we've more than doubled our staff base. Um, uh, the majority of that staff base is engineering. However, we do have have back-end support. So we've got a marketing uh, support, uh, graphic and UX design. We have very talented marketing and graphic UX design to help make the product. It's one thing to build a smart system, but it's also very important to make it understandable and usable to, to all groups of people. Yeah, translate your smarts. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So we put a lot of time and effort into making the system understandable and, and easy to use. Um, so we have a very, very strong department there. Uh, and then we also have our back office support uh, and sales and project management side as well. So at the moment, you're based in Queensland, in Brisbane, is that right? Queensland, Brisbane. Uh, and also we have a remote office in Bundaberg. Uh, and we're currently exploring opportunities in New South Wales, Melbourne, and also Western Brisbane, so the Toowoomba region. Oh, fantastic. Well done. That's really great. So Cormatic aspires to lead Australian business to innovation through a new generation of mechatronic engineers. Um, what does this imply for those who work with you? Uh, sorry, say that again, Nikki? I said, why is um, the, the people working with you? You've got a new generation of mechatronic engineers. So um, what, what, how do they um, fit into Cormatic and, and the innovation that you're um, putting out there for them? How does this um, work for them there? I think the unique part about a mechatronic engineer, and I might be saying this, I'm, I'm biased, I'm also a mechatronic engineer, yeah. but um, uh, I believe it's a unique skill in that we're a jack of all trades and master of none. Yeah. And I think that's very important, especially in robotics and automation, where we can understand uh, how the systems all fit together. So uh, I've seen previously in my career where perhaps an electrical engineer may design a system and the mechanical engineer comes along and says, well, actually, I'm sorry, that doesn't work because we have mechanical limitations or because we can't fit that there or whatever it may be. 
I think the thing that makes makes our our engineering team unique is that they have that broad level of understanding across the major three disciplines really that we work within, which is your mechanical, electrical, and then control and software systems. Yeah. Um, so it, it does give our clients a one-stop shop in a sense. Yeah. Um, that said, our each of our engineers have a particular specialization that they're strong in. So be that control systems, uh, vision systems, networking and databases. Um, so we all have our key key area which we can bring that value specifically to yeah. um, and that builds our multi-skilled team mm. but in that case we, we all still make sure that we understand the broader the holistic nature of, of what it is that we're designing yeah so where's the majority of your staff from like I mean I know Queensland um, your universities up there you know robotics is all over the place have you got majority um, Queenslanders working for you we actually have quite a multicultural based team yeah. um, we've got staff members from um, India, from Nepal, from Colombia. Um, we've got a couple of staff members from Queensland as well yeah. uh, and, and a few from France. Excellent. Wow, that's very multicultural. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, I think it's actually important when you've got businesses because um, all states have got different mechatronic um, departments, obviously, at their universities. They've all got different skill sets with it. And I, I think it's actually, um, you know, it's important that people cross uh, pollinate or, you know, like you go and work in a different state and take your skill set with you. Absolutely. And vice versa. You know, we actually need Queenslanders to come down to Melbourne, not that they will because of the wealth, <laughs> the weather is so appalling here. Yeah. It's yeah. a bit cold. So, I mean, I'm even stumbling over my words today because it's so cold. Yeah, I should put the, the heat on in my office. But yeah, I, I actually think it's important. And it's, um, I know it's not something people would want to do, but it's, it's even you'd want to go as far as have university lecturers sort of go in between the universities and, and take the knowledge with them and go, okay, how are you doing it here? And then, um, you know, vice versa from Melbourne to Queensland and whatever the case may, and even West Australia. I know yeah. we know we're sort of talking a little bit out of it, but I'm, I'm all for education and getting um, ideas all across the country and what's yes. the best way of doing this. Absolutely. And again, that's where I think uh, the unique side of our business, and, and it was a, a strategic decision on both myself and Jonathan's behalf to, to ensure that we do remain diversified, not only in staff, but also in our industries that we support. Um, we've had instances before where I've been able to take technology that we've deployed in, in agriculture and deploy that uh, in, in biopharmaceuticals. Yeah. Uh, and it's something that, that you wouldn't have necessarily known about that technology had you not worked in that industry or that particular approach. So again, quite, uh, it's definitely valuable to have that diversity. Yeah. And um, dare I ask it like um, male-female ratio, how, how are you guys handling that uh, diversity? It's, it's, it's challenging, to be honest, Nikki, the, the, and I'm sure you've seen it yourself. Um, there's not as wide a, uh, a pool of, of female engineers. Um, however, we do have one female engineer um, and our graphic design and marketing department uh, is all female as well. Um, we we uh, 
we are, we're open to, to everyone, I guess. Yeah. No, no, listen, yeah. obviously, yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's, it's um, how many mechatronic engineers are we pushing out there with the females? And I mean, I, you know, STEM happens to be one of my, um, my, my subjects that I go, we need more women out there just for the mere fact that it's just the money there, like, you know, that, that's the options, the career options that you have. But again, even even not about the money, Nikki. It's it's about the diversity for us, mm. uh, mm. and, and we found there's there's great value between both male and female co-workers. Yeah, um, I think it's absolutely critical to to what we're trying to achieve. Um, yeah, as an engineer. For, yeah, you know, even thinking beyond diversity. So, uh, yeah, we're we're absolutely open to it, um, and and it's it's something that we look for. But yeah. uh, I remember going through my degree. Uh, I think of the the cohort of forty. There were two female students. Um, and and do you know whether they're still are they practicing engineers now? They are. Yes. Oh, well done. I'm yeah. One of them at CSIRO, I think, the other day. Yeah. Uh, and another one's working internationally. Fabulous. That's mm. that's really great because the big problem is we have about um, I think our um, rate is about like thirty seven percent, but they they qualified but that doesn't mean they stay in the industry like that's a problem they yeah. go in and then for some reason they drop out again yes yeah absolutely and i've seen that across the whole cohort yeah yeah, yeah. so that's that's obviously an area that's collectively uh, you know i don't think it's it's a particularly a female you know that's something that just women need to sort out it's across the board like it's in, in everyone's benefit to retain as many people as you can once they're qualified absolutely absolutely yeah so do you think australian businesses are keen to implement robotics and innovate or do they still have a bit of the sort of the wrong idea approach about it um and, and specifically in focus to um innovation and expense and r d and that's that's aspect of it I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Nikki. I, every business we've walked into has understood the value of it. They've understood it, maybe not accepted it, but understood it. Um, they, they have seen opportunity. They're, 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 some of them are tentative is probably the best word. Yeah. They're, they're cautious to, to invest in the technology because it's not always guaranteed. Sometimes you can definitely say, look, if we replace that with a robotic application, you'll, you'll remove two FTE staff and, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Very easy to, to justify. Um, but there's a lot of other systems we see more in around the control systems, particularly in the agriculture sector, where we can take something that was previously quite manually controlled, such as a harvester, and put an electronic control system in. It's hard to prove that the operator will push the buttons less and the operator will be more efficient or more, more cautious on the ground or, or look after the, the produce better because mm. the machine itself is driving along. Um, I, I think that's the major challenge that, that we've experienced. Uh, and again, I think that's it's something that we focus on is, is trying to help the customer understand what it is that what, what is the value um yeah. there's one thing to say value in money but it's another thing to say value in product damage or or yield yeah. or whatever it may be um so to answer your question i suppose yes i believe australia is keen on on innovation um i think there is still a little bit of a a, a cautious approach towards adopting it in some cases and it's definitely sector based 
Yeah. Biopharmaceuticals, absolutely. Um, construction industry, absolutely. Agriculture, some businesses are very much ahead of it mm. and some businesses uh, are, are watching is probably the best word. They're watching. Yeah. You know, it's always interesting because Australians are very innovative and I find, you know, like um, out of 38 countries, we're 35th in terms of our adoption rate of robotics, you know, generally yeah. speaking across the sectors. And um, it, it's it's really actually not good. And um, this, this uh, uh, fallacy that because you are replacing people, uh, uh, people with robots that um, you know they're going to lose jobs it's not actually true you can upskill you can create new jobs new industries are being born out of robotics yes and and not even that but um, you know and, and we're going to talk about this later but but spot is an excellent example it's not necessarily about replacing the people in some cases it's about removing them from repetitive or menial or, or, or dangerous tasks yeah. that we don't want to put people into. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I guess they're easier to justify <laughs> yeah. from a business perspective. But definitely, again, there, there is this, this perception that robotics is bad and it's going to take all our jobs away and we'll have no, no purpose in life. Uh, I, I see it as an opportunity. I think yeah. it's need for us to change. Yeah, look, I think you and I on the same page, because anyone working in the industry, I think part of our responsibility is to educate people. Wherever you go, you know, my robots, I remember going to a, a hospital in Melbourne and I'm talking about telepresence robots now and the staff actually being quite concerned that these robots would in any way take their jobs. And I, I said to them, look, these robots just simply aren't smart enough to take your job. Like there's no ways a telepresence robot can replace you. Like it, it's just not, but you know, I, I can understand their fear factor. And I take my responsibility of educating them and saying, look, this is the capability of this piece of technology. It's just as well you're saying your phone's going to replace you. It's not, it, it's just not going to happen. But the education process falls on people such as yourself and myself to tell people this and and I think everyone that works in the industry should actually take it quite seriously educating the general public out there absolutely and and I think it's more about giving people the opportunity it's it's one thing to have case studies I think that's that's helpful in our statistics and all our modeling that we we can do and and other other businesses and and groups do um, but I think it's also about sometimes bringing the technology to people. We've seen that yeah. time and time again. If we can bring the technology and show it to them and let them touch and feel it, yeah. the, the, the apprehension changes. Yeah, yeah. Look, I suppose like anything, you know, like it's, it's I wouldn't say it's like a certain generation because it's not. It's across the board that, you know, tech, people you're sort of looking at it and I I do I agree with you if you can it's it's an education process you have to show them like this is what's going to happen when you use this um here your um return of investment um here you're saving someone's life you know I think of drones in India that are checking out sewage pipes and on average five people are killed in India weekly um inspecting sewage pipes now they're using drones and people have stopped you know they, they're not drowning and they're not they're not dying inspecting sewage pipes so why wouldn't you use this technology absolutely exactly yeah. yes someone's not going to fly the drone yeah anyway of course <laughs> so what's the biggest advantage of robotics for you and the next generation again i think i've already touched on it and, and it's 
whether people believe me or not, I do believe it, it brings us the opportunity to do something more with our lives. Um, uh, people often often counter that and say to me, oh, look, but there's a job for everybody and everybody needs a job. And, you know, um, but I think it's about, it's an opportunity, one, to make our jobs more safe, more safe as you said, that's an excellent example in India. Um, but I think it's also about making our jobs more meaningful. Um, mindless tasks, yes, they may be simple. Yes, in, in some cases, everybody has a, has a, has a place and a, and a job. But I think we can find jobs that are, are more meaningful and, and bring value to our lives. If, if everyone could enjoy going to work, could look forward to going to work, um, <laughs> look, it would definitely stop us saying we need four-day weeks or three-day weeks and longer weekends. Yeah. So we spend so much time at work. I, I don't see why we can't use this as an opportunity for, for people like yourself and I. I'm sure you love your job, as do I. And I, I would like to think this is an opportunity potentially for us to, to bring that joy and, and satisfaction to more people because they can have more meaningful jobs. Yeah, listen, I think you'd be amazed at how many people actually hate their jobs. Um, I yeah. think there was a statistics of like about 75% of Americans. I, I was doing um, workplace happiness conferences in another life and people absolutely detest their jobs. So, yeah. and if you think about how much time we spend at work and, and you're unhappy there, and then it filters into every other aspect of your life. It does. It does. And, and it translates. And I've seen it happen time and time again. And I'm sure if you said to them, why do you hate your job? Oh, because it's unfulfilling, because it's boring, because I, I just do the same thing every day. Um, yeah, look, let's use this to re replace all those boring and meaningless tasks and give people something cool to do. We'll inspire them. They'll go, they don't like robots. They don't want to do this. <laughs> oh, no, you haven't spent enough time with us. Come here. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> So using robots, machine vision, artificial intelligence in the industrial environment, what are the main challenges to implement them into industries? That's an interesting question. Um, I, I think one of the main challenges is obviously the adoption. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, it's, it's not really a question of money or, or anything like that, or even time in a lot of cases. Um, I think... Uh, and this goes beyond our business. It's, it's understanding the industry initially. So yeah. we can develop anything, but we need to understand what the application is um, and we need to understand what the industry is like. Yeah. I, I come back to the fact that if we can work across multiple sectors, you start to understand the, the intricacies and the in, ins and outs of everything um, to be able to, to make the deployment more effective, easier, uh, more efficient, whatever that may be. So for me, I think the bigger challenge is actually in the in developing a a suitable product that is is will be reliable within the industry. Yeah, we have the skills, and as you said, we we are an innovative country. We can do the innovation. We can come up with the ideas. We just need to have that extra little bit level of of understanding of the industry or, or the particular situation to be able to deploy it effectively. You know, Scott, I've spoken to probably around about 35 people on my podcast now. I'm telling you, Australians are they're very smart and innovative people. They're little, they're little bit um they don't they don't 
blow their own trumpet a lot, which is something I could say like well, that's something Australians could maybe step up a little bit and go. But I'm hoping like a new generation are coming through and they're not like, yeah, she'll be right, mate. And, you know, like that they actually they actually articulate what wonderful they work they do because it's certainly across Australia um, that I found people, whether it's designing robots that clean the Sydney Harbour Bridge and you won't even know it. I mean, all these Sydney siders go over the bridge every single day and they don't know the actually robots going in there that was specifically designed to clean the Sydney Harbour Bridge and keep it free from rust. Yes. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So now the very exciting bit, you're mm. the importer of the Boston dyna dynamic little doll. So spot. tell your spot. How, how did this all happen? I, I love that little dog. I think um, I was watching a, a YouTube clip on it where someone was beating it up. I don't know if you've actually seen it. And um, yeah. Watch and, every video of spot, I yeah, think. Yeah, of course you watch everything. <laughs> and, and people's reaction to it, because I actually had a um, Professor Rob Sparrow, he's an ethicist, and we were talking about, you know, how you treat your robots is actually, you know, what does it say about you as a human being what you do with your robots and the people's reaction to um, people beating up spots. So um, anyway, that's just like a side about it, but tell us about it. How did it happen? Um, so when, when spot was initially released, uh, we, we'd been, you know, as, as any good uh, robotic engineer, we'd been following Boston dynamics for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and when we heard that spot was being released, um, Jonathan and I spoke and said, look, we need to get in touch with these guys and, and, and see if we can get our hands on one. We've got lots of customers that we knew would be interested with newbie, would knew would be excited. Yeah. Uh, so I reached out to them and said, look, we're in Australia. Is it something that you're interested in, in bringing into Australia? What's the availability of it? Can we get our hands on one? Yeah. Um, and about six months later, we were contacted by Boston Dynamics and, and we believe it was solely due to our outstanding marketing department. But they came to us and they said, look, we've been, been watching you guys. I'm sorry we haven't gotten back to you. We've been very busy uh, with the deployment of Spot. But we've been watching you guys and we believe that that you fit with our ethos um, as an integrator, uh, as someone that that can can take a product and and manipulate it and make it fit an industry. They said that's what we do. That's at our core is is taking an idea and and, and helping it, massaging it fit. And they said uh, we'd like to talk to you about a distributorship. You know, you, you fit with our ethos, you fit with our excitement, uh, professionalism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Let's have a chat um so of course we said yeah absolutely of course uh and it just grew from there really. yeah so um when you say they're distributing spot is it across the world are there uh, other other distributors as well there are other distributors um to my knowledge uh he's slowly making his way into europe uh, obviously america was an easy drop case for them yeah. they're american but uh yeah he's slowly being distributed across europe um there, there's definitely a lot of interest everywhere, and 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 again, it's it's a technology that's that's deployable. Yeah, so, yeah, I've seen a lot of videos of spots. So are you the sole distributor in Australia? Um, we are the sole distributor for the eastern side of Australia, so okay. the, the first half of Australia. Um, there is another distributor on the west coast in Perth, I believe. Okay, all right, okay. So now, what are you gonna use this robot for? If, um, explain Spot the Dog to our listeners if they don't know what it is. 
Sure. So Spot is a um, is a four legged four legged robot. Um, uh, the unique part about him is that he can he can traverse across all types of terrain. So he's got a lot of different sensors, a lot of different depth mapping, so three D mapping technologies, which allow him to perceive his environment and then plan the best best course of action to get from A to B. Um, that's at his primary core, and that's quite a unique thing to have a, a four legged robot. Uh, and make it make it controllable, make it steady, make it adaptable across uneven and unpredictable surfaces. Um, there's plenty of examples of him walking on snow and ice and upstairs. Uh, it, it, it's very impressive technology. Just just as a, a robot geek, uh, yeah, yeah. very impressive. Um, but he, he goes to another level. So really, at his core, it's about inspection um, and it's about monitoring. Yeah. So be that a matter of uh, strapping a backpack, you can put lots of different backpacks on him. Uh, backpack for 3D, 3D slam mapping, so mapping an entire environment uh, continuously. So you could be checking the internals of a furnace and uh, at shutdown, obviously, yeah. um, and checking to see the degradation on the furnace walls over yeah. time. Um, we've seen him used for inspection of pipelines as, and as you were saying, the sewers in India could potentially be used in a, in a situation like that where it's a confined space and we need to be able to get in and check out, check a valve, check an outlet, check for leaks, whatever that may be. Um, he's been used in situations for monitoring hazardous areas. So being sent in, I heard about uh, an area where there was a gas leak or, or a, a potential fire in a, um, in a power station. Uh, they didn't really want to send anybody in. They weren't too concerned, but there was a question of could it blow up? Could mm. there be issues? So they didn't want to send someone in daily to monitor. Yeah. So they got in. Um, I can see opportunities on offshore drilling rigs uh, or oil rigs where we send people out into very hazardous positions and locations simply to monitor. Yeah. Um, and nothing else. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, he's got some other cool features like an arm. Uh, you can strap an arm on the back and use it to open doors, actuate, actuate valves or buttons or whatever that may be, pick things up off the ground. Um, so, again, very adaptable. And, yeah. and really, for me, it's about taking it and saying, look, here's a couple of, of case studies. Here's a couple of examples. What could you do with something like that? Yeah. So if I'm not mistaken, it's, he's got a brother. Like there's another, there's another model, isn't there? The one that sort of um, can walk upright. I'm, I'm sure I've seen that. I'm sure that's also Boston Dynamics. There is. That's uh, Atlas. I think. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yes. Um, right. And then also Spot's got a couple of, of direct brothers. Um, yeah. Big dog. Uh, there's a, a panther-based one or, or cheetah-based one that can run very quickly. Yeah. Um, there's lots and lots of different different solutions that Boston are working on. Um, Spot is is one of two commercialised products that they have. Another one is actually a uh, a package carrying robot, so um, balanced on two wheels and and it's got a, a gripper or a robot arm on the front that can pick up parcels and and stack them into um, containers or, or whatever it may be. Move them off a off a conveying line and into the back of a, a truck or yeah. So you've already got one in Australia. 
spot. Yes, yes, he uh, arrived with us this week, actually. Oh, what good timing. Excellent. Oh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so everyone's playing. No one's doing work. Yes. You don't get back yeah, yeah. to no, work. No people. work. Yeah, yeah, no work. We're playing with a robot. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah. So have you, have you deployed um, spot anywhere in Brisbane? Have you gone out for a walk with your dog? We've started that, yes. Um, and it certainly gets some interesting looks. I'm sure it does. <laughs> Looking I'm forward sure. to taking into a dog park to see yeah. how animals react. Yeah. But, um, no, we've got quite a list of clients that are excited to see it and across lots of different sectors again. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you, you said before about the ingenuity and the inventive nature of the Australian. Uh, we've had people from agriculture all the way through to construction and mining. Um, and even again, the biopharmaceutical industry uh, saying, hey, that's cool. I reckon I could use it over here. Yeah. And the, the package itself is, is very deployable. He comes ready to run. So you can take him for a walk, literally. Yeah. Let him map his environment and then start to say, okay, every day I need you to walk this route. I need you to yeah. catch me some photos of that. Um, if there's an alarm, if there's a problem, give me a yell. Um, so the, the, the package is, is very effective, very quick to deploy. Uh, and then with his backpack options, very, very adaptive and modular. Yeah. Listen, I know I know spots being used, like the, the French army is being used. He's now a soldier of sorts. Um, I think he was pulled from the the US uh, police force, like they yeah. they stopped using him there for whatever reason. So look, I, I think um, as with any robot, like he's gonna be used and then that you're gonna be find areas where he's not suitable and then you just, you know, like that's just, that's in the nature of it and that's just in the nature of technology. Now, what is the business model around us? Is it someone, something that someone buys from you or like what do they, they rent it or how are you doing this? We're exploring different options. And, and again, I think it comes down to, to market readiness. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're exploring the options for, for a rental concept because uh, we understand in some cases it may just be something that they need for a short-term project to 3D map a building throughout its construction phase. Yeah. Um, and they can't justify the initial outlay. Um, or, yes, it can certainly be purchased uh, for continued use by the client. So Yeah. Really, it's a matter of come and have a chat with us and, and let us know. Uh, yeah, what what the case need? Yeah, what what your needs are and what problem you're trying to solve or you know yeah. what solution you're looking for there. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you mentioned something interesting there, Nikki, and I'd like to circle back onto it because I read the same article that you obviously did was um, spots deployment in the New York City Police Department. That was the one you were referring to. Um, he was used in a hostage situation. I believe, and they also were looking at him as sort of like a bomb-sniffing dog um, for checking packages, especially with his little gripper arm on, on the back. Um, he, he was used in a successful hostage situation, uh, mm. successful in the sense that nobody was hurt and he mm. did what he needed to do. That's it. Uh, very key, uh, key. But unfortunately, it was actually, again, the public perception um, their, their concern was that he's watching me, he's following me, and, and there's lots of different uh, shows where we've seen these sort of robots gone wrong. Um, and he was pulled solely from a, a public PR perspective, mm -hmm. uh, no other reason. Um, so I think, again, it's, it's important for us uh, as innovators in the industry to educate 
mm. everyone adequately and, and explain what the values are and, and, and what the product is because he's certainly not a come and monitor me and, and follow you home every day. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Look, I mean, the, the same argument could be used for your phone. Like, you, you don't know you don't know who's listening into your phone. Like, we, we live in la-la land if we think no one's, no one's ever eavesdrop on a conversation or your Google Home or Alexa or whatever the case may be. I think it's bioware, and I do think, though, um, as consumers, we... We, we adopting technology that rightly we should have some concern about and at you go like what are you using this technology for like unmanned armed drones is a huge concern to me like I just go like this just should not be allowed but um again we we the doctors we using the technology so it's up to human beings to say yes or no i do yeah. agree with you though i think a lot of it is um it is again the fear factor and the the police department should have done their pro they should have done their the integration maybe a little bit better um if you're deploying robots make sure that that you um, you're giving public information and that's with anything any change management in a company you're not just going to go in there and go right now here are four robots and I mean I say the same things to clients of mine if you're going to start using telepresence as an option every day in your office make sure you actually make sure you actually explain to yourself what's going on here why are you using this technology it's because people can't come to the office every day um it's it's something for you to use to enable you to to have a more productive work life it makes it easier for you you know give them everything why are you doing it and they'll go okay they can see the method in the madness it's not so that we can fire the receptionist because that will immediately stop any adoption exactly yes yes yeah so I hope you've got a whole like package ready when you're talking to your clients about what this this little dog can do. And um, actually, I saw it in the height of COVID. It was in Singapore making announcement to people, please keep your 1.5 meter yeah. distance, which I thought that was priceless. I, you know, yes. you go, this is what these robots and, you know, you, you're not going to, um, well, I, I didn't see anyone being rude to the robot. Whereas if someone said that to you, you'd be going, oh, just back off. Stop telling me yeah. I've got enough stress as it is. Come and tell Correct. me to keep me. Yeah. So um, it humanizes a bit doesn't it <laughs> yeah yeah listen congratulations i think that's a huge coup for you guys and and yeah like I, yeah i look forward to um getting it down to melbourne and yes. um on a little road trip here comes a spot to come and do a little bit of a sniff around my offices here stay <laughs> away from my ladies like just behave yourself there <laughs> so um any closing thoughts you'd like to leave our audience with? Like, uh, I can see you brimming with enthusiasm. You've got lots of ideas. Um, it, it's like anyone wanting any any robotic problem solved, this is the man that you need to go to. I can tell you now. Um, you can't see his face, but it's clearly a, a very intelligent young man sitting here. So what, what, what closing thoughts would you like to leave the audience with? Look, I, I think there's, there's, there's probably two, and I'll, uh, I'll try and frame it in the right sense, but really um, bring the challenges, I think. I, I, I talk to more and more people, and we keep saying about the fact that, you know, Australia was a very innovative country. We, we did manufacture a lot of things. We did 
do a lot of great things for the world. And we've, we've slowly started to see that disappear from us. I think this revolution that we have now, this, this industry 4.0, is our opportunity to put Australia back on the map again. You know, as you said, perfect example. We're nearly the last in terms of robotic adoption and automation. And, and there's no point in us putting our head in the sand and saying, oh, we don't want to lose our jobs. We won't lose our jobs. We'll repurpose our jobs and we'll make our country viable and desirable again um, for more than just digging rocks out of the ground. Um, so, look, uh, bring your challenges. Just Hopefully. on that... I'd love to hear them. <laughs> just, just on that, Scott, do you think do you think there's been a change since COVID? Like, I mean, I, I think it's now um, it's a fact that we're not a sovereign nation. I think everyone can identify that in Australia now, and that should be a bit of concern to people that we've outsourced so much of our stuff that in times of serious pandemics, like this is actually a problem for us. Do you think there's a bit of a change in the in the air? There is a little bit, yes. I think the first big change is obviously this ability to work from home. Mm. And I think as people start to see the value of technology in that sense, I'm hoping it might help them to, to accept the value of technology in other industries and in other ways. Um, you know, everyone I talk to says how great it is to work from home. Uh, what does that really mean? I think that is going to mean a bit more mechanisation and automation. It will have to. Um, but again, let's come back to our earlier conversation. Look at the quality of life change. Everyone I talk to says it's great. I can do my washing. I don't have to do my washing on the weekends anymore, and I can still get my work done. Yeah. But it will mean that we'll have to automate it a bit more. Yeah. So I think I think the opportunity is here for us now, uh, and and it's a brilliant time to talk about it. Yeah. Listen, I know that people are going to want to talk to you about uh, Spot. Where can they reach you? Uh, look, through our website is definitely the best way to come. Uh, it's brand new. It's very exciting. Please have a look. <laughs> We've got a contact us form or you're more than welcome to reach out, out to us uh, via LinkedIn as well. We've got quite an active presence there. There's lots of interesting things to follow. Um, and our team works really hard to put some interesting content up there for everybody to read and, and uh, for a bit of education. So feel free. Uh, website or LinkedIn is an excellent place to start. Scott, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. I wish you ongoing success to you and your co-founder. And um, yeah, you're obviously a company to keep your eye on. And um, when you list on the stock exchange, um, please just send me like a little warning. So I, I say this to all people, I go, they think I'm joking. No, I'm not. Just let me know so I can get in there before everyone else does. So thank you so much for your time. It's really, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Thanks. And to our listeners out there, join me again next week for another episode of Let's Talk Robotics. And do follow me and please do leave a review. Enjoy the rest of your day and thanks for listening.